I am super excited to announce that we now have a formal partnership with the Prospect Wizard. And when I say wizard, I mean wizard. Obviously, you have a website. This allows you to convert your website traffic visitors directly into leads. It's not just another chatbot, and it's not AI, but it allows a visitor to call, text, or leave a voicemail. Immediately goes to you, your sales team, or anyone else in the club. Instantly, MIT shows a study that if you contact the lead within 10 minutes, chance of them converting goes up nine times that of the average. We got the Atlanta clubs on it, Vita Fitness, Gold's Gym, Mountainside, City Fitness Philly, College Park, become one of the next Halo companies to deploy the wizard. It's easy to use. Go to theprospectwizard.com, get a free 30-day trial. Talk to my boy, Dave Gallon. He will get you all set up and let the leads flow based on the wizard. Go get them. This is Pete Moore on Halo Talks NYC on location, Snowmass, Colorado, bringing in podcast guest number 243 during covid jack thomas we are doing the global halo fitness news network like we promised our audience back in the day jack coming in from thailand good to see you again yeah good to see you p and it's a pleasure to come back on here after you came on fitness business Asia podcast about a year ago it's a pleasure to be here mate you're awesome awesome so um you know when we first talked uh back uh in uh segment 243 we were talking about the uh, freedom versus masks. We were talking about <laughs> wow. getting insights into uh, your base anywhere digital when you had 150 wow. members. Uh, that was a while you, back. You were giving us a, uh, a little bit of a, a crystal ball into what was going to happen in the U.S. since you were uh, you were six months ahead. So why don't you first give us a um, you know, a little overview as of um, you know summer 2023. You know what does the boutique space look like? You know, in Thailand, in Asia, what are some of the interesting things you're seeing and doing? Uh, and then we're going to flip into, uh, you know, one of your new ventures on the uh, Fit Guide side. Yeah, good place to start, I think. Singapore is flying, doing really well. There's a ton of brands coming in. International brands are seeing that as the entry point into Asia. So all sorts of interesting things happening there. Honestly, Pete, a little bit sad to report that Thailand's been a lot slower to pick up. We've had a lot of studios closed down. There's a much more pandemic hangover hanging over Thailand, which is a real, real shame. But we're getting there step by step. We got through the tough times. We're getting better now, but it, it has been tough here. Other Asian markets are really coming through. So I hear good things about Manila. Apparently, Manila has just overtaken Bangkok in terms of class pass reservations, which is really, really interesting. So good to see new markets really emerging. There's a lot of talk of Indonesia, so big Australian brands going into Jakarta, Vietnam, a lot of things happening there. So Asia is still a great place to be, tons of room for potential, but not quite growing as fast as I wanted it to after COVID in Thailand. But we'll get that, Pete. We'll get there. To totally understand. Um, just one point about, you know, irrational development used to be the, uh, you know, what I would say to investors that were looking at the space. The one thing that you can't control is an oversaturation of boutiques or an oversaturation of health clubs. And, you know, COVID obviously did its share of, um, you know, knocking out some of the weaker competitors, uh, some bankruptcies that happened that, that got out some of the groups that probably should have been out, you know, long before then. So do you see kind of a rational development? We say, hey, everyone's going into Singapore, everyone's going into Manila. Do people realize that maybe, you know, once a saturation happens in a city, you know, maybe I should move on to the next city, which, you know, 
a lot of groups do in other industries um, or, you know, with survival of the fittest, I'm in the fitness industry, you know, I'm stronger than you and, you know, let's see what happens. What's really interesting is every market in Asia, because this is the region, of course, I'm closest to, has its own individual story and journey. And actually, Singapore now is seeing a round of closures because rents have gone up a lot. There's a lot of people from China that have come over since lockdowns were lifted there. And that's driven a lot of rents up. And there were a lot of studios that were just getting by that were doing okay, maybe mildly profitable, that now are losing money once the rent's gone up. So we're almost seeing this like delayed impact on the industry. There was a massive uptick in Singapore. They rushed back to fitness in a way that didn't happen in Thailand. So there's been a real, real boom. But I think over the next six to 12 months, we're going to see a lot more closures there, even though it is kind of, you, you would think, thriving to look at the market there. So really, every country is going through its own story and its own journey. And it's quite interesting to see, actually, from, from my Bangkok base. Uh, that's helpful. You know, from a standpoint of what's happened in the US, there's definitely been an infusion of the word fun in, you know, boutiques and, and workouts, you know, there's a big uh, push in this country right now towards uh, the growth of pickleball as an example, mm, where we're just that. trying to get people off the couch, um, you know, get them into some kind of participatory, you know, sports event, if you will. And, um, you know, that's seen a lot of legs. I think groups that are focusing on results, you know, on the, on the high intensity side are seeing uh, great uh, progress as well as on the plotty side. I think is yes. probably like the, uh, you know, bellwether, if you will, of the, uh, of the boutique category. We're seeing that here in Asia as well. Yeah, it's interesting to see the uptick in Pilates and then kind of Pilates-inspired concepts such as strong Pilates, which has incorporated cardio equipment into the reformer. So we're seeing some interesting trends and kind of sub-trends around Pilates for sure here as well. You know, when you look at base and, and when you started that, you know, you're, you're a guy who's got his hands in a lot of different things. You know, you know, a little bit of a crazy entrepreneur like us, which we love. That's why we have you on second time. As you think about the growth of a concept and you think about the growth of you individually or professionally, you know, give us a little bit of insight for those entrepreneurs that are out there that saying, hey, I've got a boutique studio. You know, I go from one, I'm going to go to five. I'm going to go to 50. I'm going to go to 500 or just say, I'm going to do a couple of these, you know, then I'm going to go do something else. Um, and I'm going to kind of have more of like an umbrella around the halo sector versus like I'm going all in, uh, because I feel like sometimes people kind of, you know, put a stake in the ground and feel like they have to stay in one place, you know, with a concept. It's such an interesting and good question. There was a time when I was really hell bent on growth. And I always told myself, and I do believe it was true, it was to put base in the hands of more people. I really believed in our concept. I love the technology that I built. And I'd been to more developed markets like New York, London, Singapore, and wanted to take it to those markets. And I don't really feel any differently about that now. But I guess you know what it's like as an entrepreneur, you might have another idea that you feel passionately about, and you can't do everything that you want to do. So whilst I am still running base, and I do still very much believe in that, Singapore's just gone so crazy as well. And that was going to be the market that we went into. Going into Singapore now with base just doesn't feel quite right. And it just so happens a year ago, we had this idea for the Fit Guide. And that for me is so, um, uh, it's such an interesting idea. It's so needed in the industry. And I feel the burning desire to grow that more because I think it can have more impact as opposed to, you know, another sort of growing franchise brand of which there's many now. Yeah, gotcha. So we've had a couple of guests on that, that have been trying to create you know, a directory of sorts or a concierge service where, you know, you land, you, uh, they'll kind of curate, here's a, here's a class that you're going to go to. Here's a hotel that's right nearby. Here's yeah. a healthy food, uh, establishment. None of those have proliferated to the point where they are an authority or well-known, 
uh, in the space. So um, there's no short shortage online of, you know, search tools. So, so kind of talk us through how FitGuide evolved, how you said to yourself and to your partners, even though some of these things exist, it doesn't really, it's not packaged properly um, and it's not user-friendly and, and therefore I am going to do this. Well, interestingly, a lot of people that we speak to in and out of the industry are like, has no one ever done this before? I'm sure I've seen something like this. And people have sent us links and different companies and no one's really done what we're doing, how we're doing it. So I'll take you back to the beginning, Pete. It was a year ago, speaking to a good friend of mine, Matt, who used to live in Bangkok, and he's been in hotel evaluations for 15 years. Six of those working for Forbes Travel Guide. So he basically traveled the world, went to five and four star hotels and took them through a whole evaluation process of a thousand different objective standards. That would be the judgment for the whole experience at one of these leading hotels. And we've been talking a lot in the industry, P, and I'm sure you've heard this, about how we need to look up to the best brands in hospitality, in F&B, such as hotels and restaurants and the like. And so when he was telling me about the process he went through with hotels and actually looked through one of his reports that he does for Forbes Travel Guide and also the consultancy that he runs now, I was looking at it and thinking, this is just perfect for experience-based fitness. The way the industry gone over, has gone over the last five or 10 years, I'm talking about your Soul Cycles, your Barry's Boot Camps, your One Rebels, or really any sort of community experience-based fitness club and experience. So we kind of jokingly said we'd do something 50-50, but quite quickly we realized we were onto something quite special. And we spent six months developing this process that settled at 250 objective standards that any club should be going through. We did over 100 test runs. We ran it by club owners after going to their clubs anonymously and visiting them, friends of mine. We ran it past people in hospitality because we want to infuse hospitality elements into the fitness industry. Once we settled on the 250 standards and our version one, if you will, of the process, we thought the best way to get it out there would be to go to the world's best fitness cities, run it by those cities, pick the 50 top leading studios, go through our process and start having conversations with people in the industry. And that was what we've done. We launched in New York and had some fantastic conversations there. Americans seem to really get what we do, this idea of hospitality in a way that I think the rest of the world doesn't quite understand as well. Then we did London, then we did Singapore. All of those have launched. We have Sydney and Dubai coming up soon. This is Pete Moore. I want to let you in on a little secret. There's this company called Promotion Vault. And what they do is they give out rewards from retailers that allow you to incentivize your members without having to do zero down and one month free or giving away shakes or giving away t-shirts. What you want to do is build a rewards program that lasts, that people value, and that doesn't discount your own products and services. So here's the deal. There's something called Rewards Vault. The Rewards Vault is going to allow a member to set up their own profile. They are going to answer questions. You are going to get those answers. You're going to be able to target those members, and you're going to reward them inside your club, inside your spa, and outside of the club, and outside of the spa to get them to become loyal, to get them to pay their monthly dues, and to be rewarded properly for the actions. A lot of companies are cutting back on rewards. You shouldn't be. Promotion Vault's your answer. Trust me, this is real. You know, several years ago, as we were figuring out what we were going to do with the term Halo, you know, health, active lifestyle, outdoors, and I'm traveling probably 200 days you know, or nights a, a year, I always wanted to have like a Halo certified hotel. So I knew that, you know, I get, you know, protein bars and not, you know, <laughs> M&Ms, that there would be bicycles. That would be like one marker. 
you know, filtered water. You know, the TV actually has like a noise, you know, like white noise or green noise that you can put on, you know, maybe a track or some, you know, like a hiking trail somewhere around there or like a, you know, the fitness center was, had actually like equipment in it, not from the nineties. So, you know, we're, we're big proponents on, you know, what's your best return on time? And I think a lot of people get frustrated in this industry by taking classes that aren't, aren't great classes or, or a great analogy would be, um, you know, before I watch anything on Netflix, I'll always go to the cycle Rotten Tomatoes and I'll find out yep. what the percentage is um, of the audience approval or else I'm, I'm not going to waste two hours. So are, are these kind of like analogies of kind of what the DNA of Fit Guide is to say, hey, look, you know, I want to make sure that where you go, you're getting what you, you know, deserve. You know, it's not pictures that have been Photoshopped. It's not mm. reviews that have been done by you know, the instructors or a couple of the avid members, but like, here's like the real, real. Yeah. So we train our evaluators really well to go in and they need to be very observant. There's a whole process that we go through to train them up. It takes a few months. And we actually pulled in a lot of people from hospitality who've been doing this for years in hotels. So mystery shopping typically is you pay a student $20 to fill out a form or they get a free meal. And I don't want to knock mystery shopping because there's definitely a place for that. Well, we look for what we look for and what we train our evaluators to look for is really that, that great experience, which is made up by lots of little touch points. 75% of our standards are service-based standards. So they're really standards that any gym can score. It's about using the client's name, checking for injuries, giving them a good orientation, things that any gym can do. And then 25% is more about the physical structure of the gym, how clean it is, what kind of equipment they have, the amenities they have, the showers, the changing rooms, things like that. And we feel that's about right for boutique fitness. It should be about the connection that you have with the team and not just the coach, right? Everyone on the team, the reception staff, when you arrive, on the way out, any other staff you might encounter, such as cleaning staff. Of course, the coach is very important. The class experience makes up 50% of the overall score, but the other 50% is made up of reception services, public areas, equipment and studio, and also digital and technology. We go as far as looking at the online brand presence, the website, we make a telephone call, we send an email, we send an Instagram message. It really is incredibly thorough and just a lot deeper than you know what most people understand is mystery shopping. Got it. So from a standpoint of putting people out into the field and having a, a 250 um, point checklist, um, how do they do that without a clipboard? <laughs> Once you've gone through the process and you've been trained up to do it, you can kind of see how you can do it. Now, the first two or three um, processes the evaluators go through, they do struggle a little bit. But after a while, because I've gone through all of the training and in the early stages, I was doing some of the evaluations, you're just mentally ticking off things as you go through. Our evaluators take a lot of photos, just like Michelin inspectors. And luckily now having a camera out is completely fine. Everyone's okay with that and they're not suspicious. So you can take a lot of photos. In countries where it's legal to do so, we actually record the interactions, the, um, the arrival process, the departure process, so they can check back on that. And we do quality control checks. If we see that a score is not what we expected, we would send in another inspector to do another visit. So we do a lot of quality control around that. But once you've done this a few times, B, I would say once you get to like the five or six um, visit mark, you're just mentally ticking it off as you're going through the class and actually becomes quite easy. And with hotel inspectors, they do 900 to 1,000 standards. So for us, it's 250. So the guys in New York who were um, ex-hotel inspectors actually found the process quite easy to do. Yeah, gotcha. You know, one of the interesting things is um, someone's doing this in the franchising space. And what they do is they actually do a survey of all the franchisees, and then they sell that data back to the franchisor. 
um, almost like as a mystery shopping, like quality control and un adult, un unadultered, you know, data that's coming from the field, not like a visit from corporate, um, when mm. everything, you know, looks pristine, you know, so it's interesting how, how that, that feedback loop probably is reinforcing, not just for the, the consumer, but also, you know, best practices and trying to optimize yourself as an owner. Um, so do you want to comment on it? For sure. Yeah. It's interesting. You should say that because we speak to a lot of operators or brand owners and they say, oh, we do something like this. We send in our head coach and they'll observe a class and they'll have, I guess, a checklist or something like that. But the trouble is, of course, when I go to base, I get the very best of base, right? I get the very best service from front desk. The sure. coach is on their best behavior. Are they doing that when we're not there? You just don't know. Right. And so we might go and it's on a you know, Wednesday morning, maybe there's eight people in the class, no manager's presence. W what's happening there? And that's my my experience, right? As a, we, we always pay for our class, we pay full price, we pay drop-in rate, and we go in and experience it as a completely normal client. And sometimes it is quite surprising to club owners. What's interested me, Pete, is not that many club owners have really pushed back on what we said, because I think once they see our process, once they see the reports that we send through to them with all of the standards and the comments and the supporting evidence, everyone said, right, well, I thought we were doing this, but obviously we're not, and it's really good information to have. So although some people have kind of been initially a little bit defensive, once they've understood our process, they actually seem really keen to learn more, especially in New York, which has been really great to see. Yeah, so let's focus on New York for a minute, uh, or LA. Uh, I'm a big soul cycler. Uh, you know, probably <laughs> do like five, six classes, you know, a week. And oh, those, wow, okay. classes are, those classes are very uh, variable when it comes to right. the instructor. Um, you know, the, the studios are typically, you know, relatively clean. Um, you know, the sound system works, the bike's working, you know, it's not a pedal broken or anything. So how do you kind of differentiate between, Hey, I'm evaluating this studio at the same time, you know, you can evaluate Madison square garden as an example. Um, and you could say Madison square garden ch checks off these two fifty. Let me tell you how you feel going to a ranger game versus going to the, the, the circus. You know, so like, how do you kind of infuse, hey, there's like a physical component to this and then there's a talent component. Yeah, I don't want to speak to any particular individual brands and maybe call them out, but anyone can go to the fitguide.com and see New York and the different soul cycles that we went to and they can kind of compare. But what we have seen, which we have uh, some staff working for us now, and they've been quite surprised when going through the evaluations and going through the reports, how one brand in one location scores really well and in another location it doesn't. They were surprised, right. but as someone involved in the fitness industry, I really wasn't surprised about that. And then we've seen other brands where it's been a very consistent experience, whether you go to one branch, whether you go to a different instructor. And I think that's what we really need to strive towards. In terms of different instructors, of course, it's going to be different. I think SoulCycle is one where it would be more variable, right? You go to one coach and it could be fantastic. Maybe another coach is going to be quite different. We think the best clubs do get it right every single time. And that's what we should really be striving towards. And... What we have seen is even in the places where the instructors might be a little bit varied and up and down, usually the reception staff are either consistently good or consistently bad. So whilst you might get a particularly good day and have a good instructor or a particularly unlucky day, all of the other things kind of fall into place. And it's probably worth saying, Pete, that you don't have to be an incredible personality necessarily to score well on the fit guide. We are looking for the average person's experience. So, you know, the class has got to start on time. They've got to connect with people. It's a bit difficult to grade like charisma, I would say. And so that's a little bit of a variable that we don't look at. We look at like really the, the process and the experience for the average person, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to tool through the site and, um, 
you know, give you my comments and, and, and take some of your recommendations. Just a couple of follow-up questions on that. One is, you know, when a studio does score poorly, is there kind of a, you know, a, a tutorial, if you will? Because hmm. obviously what you want to do is you want to raise everyone's, you know, experiential, oh, sure. um, you know, and, and results-driven, um, you know, uh, you know, experiences in, in the sector, right? So, uh, you know, ideally you get everyone like above at 85% and then, you know, you can kind of hack away from there. We want to get rid of the thirties and forties, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, and get those people gutted out of the industry, um, because they're creating noise. Um, so one is, you know, do you, do you let people kind of up their game and then do they come sometimes come to you and say like, Hey Jack, like I did everything. Like when can y'all come back? No, absolutely. Um, I'll, I'll tackle one thing at a time. So a big part of this when we started it is making the industry better. We're not here to kind of call gyms out and say this place was rubbish, that place wasn't doing things well. We really want to make things better. And we think even now having that layer of accountability now, we hope is already going to have an improvement. We've spoken to basically every major um, brand in, in, in New York and the US. And so We've had some great conversations with them and we'd hope instantly they raise their game. They've seen our reports, they've seen our evaluations. So that's what we would hope would happen very, very quickly. We've got other resources to help them out. We've got video courses, we offer consultancy and the like. And we do offer re-evaluation. So if a club feels like it wasn't a fair representation of their club and their experience, they can take that report, they can do training with the team. And we would do a re-evaluation, but integrity is central to what we do. So we can't guarantee a, a better result. It might even be a worse result. Um, but usually, straight once clubs have seen the areas that need to improve in, it's often like a bit of a wake-up call to them, and they can usually do the things they need to do to make it better. But if they're struggling, we can help and we can assist. We did change it a little bit, Pete, where at first we were listing clubs that didn't make one of our three awards. We have recommended, which is essentially a three-star score. We have four stars and then our highest five-star award. And we were actually listing clubs that didn't make that as rated, We've now decided to actually not include them in the fit guide because we don't want to call anyone out. And every club now that is in the fit guide has scored 70% plus. So they are creating a good experience. They are doing well. And it's those five-star clubs that are really doing exceptionally across the board and across all five categories. And we've only had about 5 or 10% of clubs get the five-star award. And don't forget, that's 5 or 10% of the top 50 clubs. So we've done a lot of research when going into a city. We speak to a lot of people on the ground. So it's kind of 5 or 10% of the top 5 or 10%. So we're talking about the top maybe 1% that get that award. And we think that's about right. You know, it should be hard to get. We do want to stand the, set the bar high for the industry. Let me flip something on its head because you, you're making me think about something that we've been talking about with uh, studio owners and with club owners. Basically taking your evaluation process and actually overlaying that onto a new member um, and actually find out like, what are my motivations? Like what's in my past? You know, do I need a wake up call because I, I want to work out early, but I never wake up. Do I need someone to pick me up? Do I have, you know, food, you know, desires that, that I don't really know how to get rid of, you know, like ice cream at nine thirty at night. Um, do you think that this level of evaluation and level of scrutiny might wake some club operators and, yep. you know, sales associates to say, hey, instead of me being a, um, I just got scrutinized by 250, you know, markers. Why don't I do that to a member, actually really know them um, and help them get from, you know, 50% up to 90%, just like Fit Guide is enhancing my performance. Why don't I do that with my entire membership base? 
Good question. Good question. We haven't quite thought of it from that angle. I think, so it's probably worth saying at this point, we, they're all objective standards, so they're all yes or no. And that's another big difference to mystery shopping. Usually okay. or often mystery shopping is, how was it on a scale of 1 to 10? Would you recommend this to a friend? How friendly were they on a scale of 1 to 10? We look for very specific things that are yes and no. So that might be a little bit hard to apply to members. Often you need them to be honest as well, which is difficult. Anyone in the fitness industry knows. But look, I, I think... There's possibilities to adapt it for all sorts of different areas. I mean, it is kind of based around um, hotel evaluations and restaurant evaluations, but we've made sure it's relevant to fitness. I think it can certainly be tweaked to different industries and maybe even different parts of the fitness industry. We've gone for the experience side, the boutique side. I think there's definitely ways it can be used for sort of big box and other areas of the fitness industry. For clients, I don't know. You planted a seed in my head. I'll have a good think about that. This is Pete Moore. Here's the last tip for you of the podcast. We are partnered up with a company called Higher Dose, higherdose.com. They are the leader in workout recovery products, infrared technology, LED light masks, neck enhancers, and other products such as PEMF mats and sauna blankets. If you have not gotten on the workout recovery train yet, your time and your stop is now. You got to get these products in there before these workout recovery and spas end up saturating your market. Having your members walk out of the club and going into one of their locations for 200 bucks per month where they're paying 39 to you. Let's become an expert in workout recovery if we are already an authority in workouts. Higher dose, check it out. There's a wholesale code and we look forward to helping you augment your products and services to meet the demands of your members. And hey, let's get people happy, healthy, and sweating. And the recovery should be just as good as the workout. You know, so putting your, your entrepreneur hat on, which a lot of entrepreneurs are, are listening to us right now, you know, they're going to say, okay, this is very similar to a Rotten Tomatoes. You know, in the US, we're, we're, we're rating movies. Uh, it might be a Zagat's where we're rating restaurants. Um, you're playing the long game here. Like you've got to do all the work before you actually have a business or a business model or a revenue model or else it's somewhat like, you know, an incomplete assignment, right? Like I can't go on fit guy mm -hmm. and see that there's 20 studios. I need 200, um, to, to yep. have a big sample size in order to do that. I've got to hire people. I've got to train them. I got to get the evaluations done, you know? So from a standpoint of looking at like the long game and some people don't really look at the long game, they think, you know, next quarter is when I'm going to get profitable. Or, you know, once I have this asset in place, you know, revenue is just going to kind of pour in. So, so how do you think about without kind of giving away, you know, maybe all like the revenue streams or a special sauce? How'd you say like, look, I'm going to do this, you know, this isn't a pro bono, you know, .org. Um, at the same time, like I know once I get critical mass, I can either, you know, and I'll, I'll, I'll start it and you can fill it in. You know, I could probably um, sell, uh, mem you know, sessions directly because there's no reason why I, I shouldn't be able to do that. Uh, maybe I sell memberships. Maybe there's uh, the top tier will be able to advertise to my member base and use my score as kind of like a good housekeeping, you know, stamp of approval. So, you know, without giving us too much, give us a little bit of flavor of how you thought about once I do this and I get enough, like there's a business here. Yeah, yeah. I think we've got to be very careful with, allowing clubs to kind of pay for tiered memberships and things like that. Integrity is one of our three big values that we live by, and we want to make sure, sure that everything is, is 
completely objective and, and independent and unbiased. So I want to be a little bit careful with that side of things. I think Michelin Guide is probably a good one to look at. So if I go to certain cities in England, I'm not going to have the Michelin Guide to go by. And I had to go by other resources. So Michelin Guide celebrates the very best restaurants in the world. That's kind of the angle we're going on. So there is certainly a cost there, right? We'll have five cities by the end of this year. Next year, we're planning to go deep into the US. And so that will be quite a big operation, training people up and going into all of these cities. But it will be sort of the best in city centers. It won't cover sort of everything. There you would need maybe Google reviews, something like that. You know, that's probably something to go by if you go to a smaller city. In terms of revenue, a lot of that is centered around how we help clubs and brands build better experiences. So we have free resources that we put out. We have a newsletter every week probably going to start a podcast soon or a YouTube channel, stuff like that. Free resources that help clubs to a certain extent. But if they really want that deep help, we have resources that will help with that. Video courses, in-person training. We have coaches who are very experienced in the industry that are ready to go on that. And it will be with infusing hospitality into the experience. And we've actually had some club operators who aren't in boutique, that are in big box, that want to create an amazing group class experience. We've had some interest around that. So we're helping them with SOPs, with the standards that we look for and helping them recreate a boutique experience through building that for them and then also the accountability. We're talking to big brands and we're working with some now to do regular evaluations that wouldn't be featured in the Fit Guide. So we go in every month or maybe if they have 100 locations, we go to one in 10 every month so that everyone knows that we'll be there. They need to keep on their toes. They need to give a great experience every time. And they can either reward their team or give them extra training if things aren't as they should be. So on that side, I think there's a lot of potential revenue streams. Look, advertising and the like, we're going to look at down the line. You know, the Michelin Guide, of course, has been around for 100 years. Maybe the Nike Fit Guide, the Apple Fit Guide, something like that. If any of those guys are listening, they can speak to us. That's another potential stream. But I think there's so much need for the industry to get better that we know the revenue will come. And we're having a lot of very strong conversations around that. Great. Well, we'll keep, uh, we'll keep preaching. And you can keep evaluating. Thank you, Pete. And we will lift, <laughs> uh, we, we will rise all studio boats. Absolutely. So look, uh, you know, from a standpoint of, uh, of what you're doing, you know, congrats on getting through COVID and, and being a voice and a leader, you know, with base and, 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 you know, especially in, in your region coming to the U.S., let us know how we can help you out um, with that introduction you, to, you know, potential evaluators, um, some people that like to work out three or four times a day. Now they could actually say it's their day job. Um, <laughs> you know, so anything we could do to, to, to help the sector and thanks for coming back on. And uh, this is the second release of the Global Halo Fitness News Network. Jack Thomas dialing in from Asia. Pete Moore, Dave Ganelin, New York by way of Colorado. And Jacket, go halo or bust. Thank you, Pete. Awesome.